The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. We've got more rookie talk today on Fantasy Football Today. We've got rookie superlatives, rankings, debates, etc. Plus some, some pretty big news and reporters have been speculating on, on workloads and things of that nature, so we'll react to what the writers have been saying. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Jamie Eisenberg on the Mother's Day-O-Meter. How was your Mother's Day? Zero to ten, Dave. It was excellent. My wife was out of town, so I got in a really good <laughs> really? bike ride on Sunday morning. Uh, when that was done, I hit the pool, uh, FaceTime with my mom, Sarah Richard. How you doing, mom? Don't forget about Sarah Lynn Richard, amazing author, children's books, as well as crime mystery novels where people die. But those two things actually aren't combined together. And then I picked up my wife from the airport. We went to dinner. My steak was undercooked twice. We didn't go for dessert after. It was a great Mother's Day. <laughs> Jeez. So you didn't give it a number? Ten. Oh, 10. Okay. Jamie, zero to 10. Did she take the kids with her? One of them. Okay. All right. Boys, nice. boys day, uh, boys weekend. It would have been boys weekend, but the boy has a girlfriend. And so uh, the girlfriend trumps dad. Yeah. As far as like hierarchy of who to hang out with. Yeah. Especially when mom's out of town. Makes sense. Jamie, zero to 10. How, how was uh mother's day? Uh, it was a 10, I guess. Well, no, I'll say it was an eight. Because okay. my oldest son, who's 10, had two basketball games on Mother's Day, uh, which was just unfortunate scheduling. But his first game, um, I think I told you this last night, Adam, before we did F15-5, he had probably scored, and it's, you know, there's fourth grade basketball, so he had probably scored 40 points in the eight games in the regular season. And, and our score is probably average, like 18 points a game, you know, so put that in perspective. Uh, we were the two seed, and so we played the seven seed in the in the first round of the playoffs, and he went for 16 points of our 34. So hey, it was uh, beast, it was funny. He said mode. before the game, he's like, "Hey, let's win this one for our moms." Oh, um, that's nice. So that was that was cool. Uh, we fortunately, the reason I say it was an eight because we lost in the semi, so that was frustrating. Um, but uh, so that was fun, and I think I think my wife had a good day. I hope so. All right. Well, that is the Mother's Day meter. How was yours? Uh, it was fine. It was like a six, and uh, but I did. Okay, rank these three ice creams. Then we'll move on to our topics. I bought three ice cream Poppy? flavors. <laughs> this is just straight up ice cream flavors. Yeah, yeah. Three ice cream flavors I bought yesterday. And, um, you know, for, for the Mother's Day. Why Why do I feel like pralines will be one no, of these? No, no. These are legit. He's going to go vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. One was Oreo bomb, which is essentially okay. cookies and cream. Uh, mint chocolate chip. And then the third one is called Cookie Monster. It is vanilla ice cream with blue food coloring and Chips Ahoy cookie in there. Uh, so Oreo Bomb, Mint Chocolate Chip, and Cookie Monster. 
I'll go Oreo. I will rank them in the order you listed them. I'll go Oreo bomb, milk, mint chocolate chip, and cookie monster. That's just that's what. Yeah. Okay. I, after we ate them, I still couldn't rank them. They were all so good, I couldn't tell which one was my favorite. I think Oreo bomb was the best. All right. Anyway, uh, which, which one did your did your kids eat the most? Uh, my daughter is obsessed with blue, so she had Cookie Monster the most. Yeah, and Andrew had, had the Oreo bomb. Good luck with those blue poops. <laughs> They're all <laughs> contained in a diaper. So, all right. Anyway, uh, let's get into our fantasy superlatives. And listen, if you were watching and listening last week, you heard that uh, we were going to have a special guest. So we're waiting for him. Don't know where he is. When he gets here, we're just going to destroy him for being late. It's going to be really fun. Hopefully he gets here. Hopefully we'll have our special guest at some point. Fantasy superlatives. Yearbook style. Most likely to succeed. Most likely to succeed, Dave. Brees Hall is the most likely to succeed. Jamie, agreed? Yeah. um, To be different, though, I will say Drake London. Okay, but it's Brees Hall, you know, for the most part. That's fine. It usually most likely to succeed. It goes to the good-looking, popular athlete, whatever. I don't know. If I really know what Brees Hall looks like, but it's an easy call. It's an easy call is what I'm saying. Uh, he, is, he, is, uh, <laughs> he is supremely confident as well. Um, good. He was on set with us for the Combine, and I, I think I told the story with Ryan Wilson. I, I kind of threw Ryan under the bus when I said to see what his response would be. Um that hey Ryan, Ryan and to just make Ryan feel bad as uh, I didn't intend for Ryan to feel bad and Ryan handled himself well uh, but I, I I said Ryan has you as his number as your number two as his number two running back in the class behind Ken Walker and he kind of <laughs> gave him the stare and he said there there are two great running backs in this class and I am not the second one <laughs> oh wow yeah. Uh, that was very good throwing a colleague under the bus, though. Like very, very clever. Uh, I did not know that Brees Hall was Roger Craig's cousin. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's according to Wikipedia. That's a good little factoid. All right, next superlative: most likely to be overdrafted. Whenever you're related to somebody who's famous, it, it means you're going to be great as well. <laughs> in, the, in the same field, right? Uh, yeah. Anyway, most likely to be overdrafted. Uh, I'll say Ken Walker. Oh, we're talking redraft? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is not Dynasty, by the way. This is all redraft. Yeah. As of now, I predict it's Jamison Williams. I was going to go with Sky Moore. And that's not just based on what Schneier did, taking him as the first wide receiver last week for, you know, bleeps and giggles. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. We, I guess we let's all talk about our selections. Jamie, Ken Walker, most overdrafted. Most well, I, I overdrafted. think, you know, it, he's the second running back. I mean, there, there's a pretty clear distinction of, of this group. And, you know, it's those two guys, Hall and Walker, and then, you know, probably Damian Pierce, but we'll see how everything shakes out. And I'm going to guess he's going to go somewhere in the back end of the RB2 range, early flex range. And if Rashad Penny stays healthy, it's going to be tough for Ken Walker to be the guy that we hope he can be. Now, clearly we're banking on a guy to stay healthy who has never stayed healthy. Uh, But the fact that, you know, if Chris Carson... You know, it depends on when we do these drafts, obviously. But if Chris Carson plays, then you're talking about three guys competing for touches in an offense that could be terrible if the quarterback situation is bad. So I think he's going to be the second rookie drafted. And in that case, he's going to be overdrafted if he if he's not the lead guy by far. So I'm looking at Ken Walker's NFC ADP since May 1st, which is only four drafts. <laughs> Take that for what it's worth. He went 79th overall. He was RB26. He went after Travis Etienne, but... The, but 
way after Travis Etienne. Um, in terms of within the running backs, only two running backs after Etienne, but almost thirty picks. Uh, AJ Dillon, then Ken Walker, then Chase Edmonds, then Damian Harris. But 79th yeah, well, overall. What's that? That's when he should go right now. 79th? I was surprised that you know like RB26 yeah. is one thing, but I'm surprised that RB26 I guess was 29 was 79th overall when RB24 was 53rd overall in these drafts, but again, it's only four drafts. Uh all right, Dave, you said Jameson Williams. All he has to do to be great this year is make a speedy and healthy recovery from a torn ACL suffered in January and connect on lots of targets deep from Jared Goff in the Detroit Lions run preferred offense. That's it. Should do that, right? That should be easy. Not easy. I'm being a jerk. I'm I'm worried that he won't be ready for the start of the year. People are going to need that bench spot unless you can stash him. Depends on what your league rules are. And if you can stash him, great. But even if he does come back, call it October 15th. That means he didn't participate fully in any training camp. He's got to work his way back in. He's never played at the NFL level before. We don't know if his speed and his acceleration will be instant like it was in college. We know that Jared Goff is a little shy about throwing deep. I I don't think that Jamison Williams will have a good rookie year for, for fantasy purposes, maybe toward the end of the year, but not over the course of a season. And when I see people drafting him in a single-digit round, I uh, – I get a little nervous about that. I think that's too soon. And I'm not sure where his NFC ADP is. Those drafters are typically pretty smart. So in the four drafts, I'm sure you know, Adam, where he's been going. And I hope it's in round 10, round 11. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's round 11. It's 100 and, well, it's right, almost round 12. Maybe it's round 12, round 11, round 12. 132nd, 133rd overall, right after Rondale Moore. Right after Alan Lazard, just before Kenny Galladay. Would you take Kenny Galladay or Jameson Lazard Williams? is going that late? Now that's I'd rather have Lazard than Jameson Williams. Easily. Uh, would you rather have Galladay or Jameson Williams? Depends what my team looks like. I don't really want Galladay. Um my, I guess I would take him. I guess I would take him out of Jameson Williams, but I'm not really loving it. My pick was Sky Moore. He's going as wide receiver 42, 104th overall. He's going after, I mean, this is, uh, you know, Tyler Lockett is the pick right before him. And then Chase Claypool, Garrett Wilson, Robert Woods, Chris Olave. Um, yeah, I mean, I, don't, I, I guess 104th is, makes sense. But I don't know. I just feel like uh, he's not going to be second on the team in targets. I think that'll be Juju. And I could see him having a good late season surge. I don't know that he's going to pay off. Sky Moore is going to pay off early. I feel like he and, and MVS will be sort of competing. And I, we talked about this. I, I think people's expectations. And what's that? And Hardman still too. Yeah, right. Of course. I just think people's expectations will be a little bit too high for Sky Moore. And hopefully Justin Ross too. Right. But if Sky and Moore is. a hamstring injury too. If Sky Moore is the 42nd wide receiver off the board and not a top 100 pick, then it's hard to say he's overdrafted at that point. Well, I, I, I think, you know, just, again, what your expectations are. He's going to be the guy that you dropped for, um, I forget the running back you dropped Justin Jefferson for. Peyton Barber. Um, Peyton Barber. <laughs> and then yeah. you regret it. Yeah. you got to be patient with some of these guys. All right, most likely to have a huge finish. Most likely to have a huge finish. Which rookie? We just said one yours, right? Sky Moore. I wouldn't say most likely, but I'd say 
if he has a big year, it would probably be in that in that way, not not a consistent, uh, not a consistent week one or you know early season, but but a big finish like an Ayuk kind of deal. Uh, but what do you guys think? Most likely, to have a huge finish. I'll go Christian Watson. Similar thinking with Sky Moore that takes a little while to get on the same page with Aaron Rodgers, but once they realize what they have and you start to see the flaws, you know, you're asking guys like Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb to stay healthy for a full season. That's probably difficult. And Alan Lazard to maintain his role as the number one guy. You know, so if Rodgers is right and still putting up MVP type production, I think Christian Watson at the end of the season will start to play like the guy they hope and hopefully the guy we hope as well. Dave, put me down likely. for Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson struggles at first. Remember, a lot of mouths to feed in that Jets offense. And then he pulls what Elijah Moore did last year. He starts to put it together in the second half of the year. Maybe Zach Wilson sees his production and efficiency step up in the second half of the year, too. And this whole Jets offense does take that step forward. Uh, right. Right. I call it a week before Thanksgiving. Okay. Most likely to lead rookie running backs in receptions. Most likely to lead rookie running backs in receptions. No. I mean, I feel like this one's easy. James Cook? Yeah. Jamie? Uh, I'll be different. I'll say Pierre Strong, you know, based on the comments coming out of New England this weekend um, from at least Mike Reese, who covers the Patriots and a really good job covering the Patriots. You know, if James White's not ready to go and maybe doesn't play a majority of the season, uh, sounds like Pierre Strong's going to be their third down back. And so... Could be a dark horse candidate there, as you brought up yesterday, Adam. Uh, the first two games, James White had 12 catches Yep. with uh, with Mac Jones. And so, you know, maybe that's a, a role that they're envisioning for him if James White can't go. So a uh, good opportunity potentially on the table. Most likely to lead rookie wide receivers in receptions. Comes down to two guys for me. It's either Burks or London. I think Burks has the better chance to catch more passes in London. I'll go uh, dark horse candidate and say David Bell with the Browns, um, <laughs> knowing what this receiving core looks like. No, wow. seriously. Oh, wow, okay. Um, you know, no Jarvis Landry, and they're going to play Bell in the slot. Um, you know, and I, I mean, you'll see some shot plays to Donovan Peoples Jones, and obviously Amari Cooper is going to have the chance to be fantastic. But if Watson doesn't miss the majority of the season with a you know huge suspension, the slot receiver for the Browns could be pretty significant. So um, I don't think he's going to have a huge fantasy season, but it wouldn't be surprising if he's you know, if he plays to to a, a big level, you know, 70, 75 catches could be the, the leader of this category. Okay. Yeah, all right. That makes a lot of sense, I guess, and didn't really consider that. Good that, is, that is a rich strike dark horse pick right there. there you go. <laughs> Did you watch? No. Yeah, that was awesome. Was I'm, really I'm not cool. 70 years old. Oh, come on. I didn't ask you if you wore one of those dumb hats. I just asked if you watched. You don't have to get <laughs> that into it. Uh, anyway, most likely to succeed was Brees Hall. Honorable mention, Drake London. Most likely to be overdrafted. Dave said Jamison Williams. Jamie said Ken Walker. Most likely to have a huge finish. Garrett Wilson for Dave. Christian Watson for Jamie. Most likely to lead rookie running backs and receptions. James Cook. Jamie went with the dark horse, Pierre Strong. Most likely to lead rookie wide receivers and receptions. Dave said Traylon Burks. Jamie was a little different and said David Bell. Of I gave you another one, especially with this report I'm sure we're going to talk about. Chris Olave. Yeah. If Michael Thomas misses time again, I mean he's just set up to be the number one guy there. That's what I thought you. That's where I thought you were going. All right, you can listen to Fantasy Football Today on your smart speakers. Simply say Alexa, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast, or Hey Google, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Very very easy. More and more ways to listen. Do you guys think our guest will show up? We're 15 minutes in. 
He's 30 no. minutes late. Now he's, 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 he's sleeping. Unless he just checked in right now and you're trying to. You he's know, celebrating George Kirby. No, he didn't. He did not check in with me. He's celebrating <laughs> George Kirby. Okay. Uh, let's go to. A segment called "Our Guest Talks Rookies." No, let's push. Let's postpone that one, uh, and do our news and notes, and start with the Michael Thomas news. So yeah. he still has some hurdles to clear in his recovery from the ankle surgery. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it because it's not like they were ruling him out for anything for training camp or anything like that. But man, it's been a while, and he's still not a hundred percent. So, Dave, react. Michael Thomas still not there. I'm I'm good with he needs to clear a few hurdles because it's May and training camp doesn't open for basically almost three months. So as long as he's there for the start of training camp, I'm I'm going to be fine with Michael Thomas. I'm not changing how I'm ranking him right now. I'm not changing how I'm ranking Chris Olave either. I think they can both be usable in fantasy, but Thomas is a number two fantasy wide receiver. He will still be that unless we get closer to training camp. And I'm talking like, you know, middle of July. And there are still hurdles to clear. Then I'm going to get a little skittish. But yeah, he's still number two wide receiver. Olave, good bench receiver. PPR, he's a little stronger than that. I'm not, I'm not sweating. <laughs> not sweating. All right, Jamie, you sweating? He's coughing. Um, no, but like I told you last night, you know, I, I think that that group of receivers for me, and I'm looking just at the draft right now of what we did because I took Thomas in the third round, and it's that group of this. This is the way that it went. It's a draft we'll review later this week if you didn't watch the live stream on Tuesday. It was Thomas. Then Deontay Johnson, then Amari Cooper, then DK Metcalf, DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks. And I took Thomas and Cooks. Uh, after Cooks, it was a long wait until Jalen Waddle and Terry McLaurin. So, you know, should he be at the top of that group? That's where I felt he was prior to this news. You know, after this news, you know, Cooper's got flaws, obviously, with the situation going on with Watson. If Watson's not suspended, I would take Cooper over, over Thomas. Um, Brandon Cooks, you know, you kind of know what you're getting at Brandon Cooks. He's going to surprise us every year. Still continue to put up good production, but there's 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 clearly a little bit of risk and some more mouths to feed in the Texans offense. Um, Deontay Johnson, new quarterback, you know, so they're all kind of you know flawed to an extent. Uh, huge upside as well, and so it's just a matter of you know where, which receiver do you feel the most comfortable with. If Thomas is fine by training camp, he will still be my favorite of that of that group. Um, but if this is something that's going to linger once again, then you got to continue. Just you know, the, the, we'll see where the slide ends. You know, I still think he's going to be drafted as number two receiver. It's just a matter of will he be at the top of that, you know, 15 to, to 30 group essentially, or will he be somewhere in the middle of it? So what's the difference between Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins? Forgetting about the suspension, just taking a look at like the overall you know, age. They're, he's 29. They're both 29, right? Or is Hopkins 30? Hopkins will be 30, I believe, in June. Okay, so, so he's a year older because Michael Thomas just turned 29. But maybe it's because we didn't. Well, I mean, he he didn't he, he went he went seven games without a touchdown in 2020, so there was that. But you know what I'm saying? It's like you you Jamie in particular are a little concerned about DeAndre Hopkins falling off the cliff here, and that was even before the suspension. You know, may, why is Michael Thomas not in that category for you? Well, I mean, their games are a little different, but it's certainly a fair point. You know, I mean, Hopkins is an outside receiver that's going to have to you know win contestant catches. Uh, with what speed he has left, and if he's not getting separation, and you're and you're talking about a small quarterback having to spread targets out to what should be a little bit more diverse receiving core, um, that's a little bit tougher. With the Saints, it's kind of been concentrated. Now, you have you know Alave stepping in. It's it's at least on paper, I would think. You know, since Brandon Cooks has left, 
the most talented receiver that Michael Thomas will share the field with. And so, you know, that's, that's something to factor in. But I think Thomas as a slot receiver, based on the possessions that he'll get, the, oppor- the targets that he'll get, the opportunities that he'll get, um, I feel a little bit more comfortable with him. But it's, it's based on the expectation that he's falling off from his record-breaking season, you know, a few years ago prior to this ankle problem, to still being maybe 80% of that, which is still a very good receiver, still a very good number two receiver in my opinion. Um, Hopkins, I just wonder where he's at right now overall, you know, losing target share, being so touchdown dependent, having the injury concerns from a year ago, age becoming a problem. Mm-hmm. What did he take the supplements for? You know, was it to make him, was it to help him recover to get back on the field or was it help him to get back to being, you know, a, a star level player? I, I just don't know. Dave, it does make me more excited to draft Chris Olave, who, you know, there's this, uh, this report that a lot of NFL people think he's the most NFL ready wide receiver. And I, th- I think sure. that was, yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. He's a really good route runner. He's not as explosive as, as Jamison Williams and Garrett Wilson, but he ran a faster 40 than Garrett Wilson, but he's just like this polished kind of mature receiver. And I, I don't know, you got to look at Thomas as a little bit of a risk now. I, I, well, I don't know if you have to, but you could, does this move Chris Olave up your draft board? No, not yet. Again, you have to wait till July for something like that to happen. If you're doing best ball drafts right now, though, I think there might be a, a good value here for Olave. And if people are passing on Thomas because of this report, then there's going to be a good value on Thomas in those best ball drafts. But it's not enough to like go sign up for a ton of best ball drafts right now and and try and take advantage of the current market because I just don't know how much the market's really reacting to this. But I do think that Olave is NFL ready. I love his instant acceleration. I do not like his lack of physicality. I do not like that he can't break tackles. But I do think he's in a good spot in New Orleans where he can pick up a lot of 15-plus yard air yard targets and be productive for fantasy, maybe even on the level of a number 3 receiver. Okay, enough on that topic. Let's go to our second bit of bad news. As ESPN's Jeff Legwald wrote a story about the Broncos and how they are going to stick with their running back by committee, and he expects Javante Williams to get slightly more carries this season. He said Javante Williams is expected to get slightly more carries this season, which I interpret a little bit differently than him saying, I expect Javante Williams to get more carries. So, well, slightly more carries. But but anyway... Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? It almost felt like it was sourced or something. But uh, the expectation is Javante Williams gets slightly more carries. But he made it very clear that they like Melvin Gordon and he's going to have a role and a similar role. So, Dave, you were still, even after the signing, you were still the high guy on Javante yeah. Williams. You thought second round, he shouldn't make it to the third round. How do you feel now? I think you should probably get a little closer to the third round. And the... I think it was buried in the story on ESPN, but a quote from Nathaniel Hackett, I found it actually, I had it open on my browser. I'm one of those guys that doesn't close browsers on his laptop. Here's the quote. This is what stood out to me. This is from Nathaniel Hackett. I just look at all throughout my past, you need to have a stable of running backs. You want to hand the ball off. That's what protects the quarterback. That's what helps the play pass. That's what helps the threat of being able to go downfield. You have two guys like that, and then you throw Boone in there. That's another change of guy. It's a really good group. Whoever's hot, that's who we want to feed. That's kind of the beauty of it. So obviously I didn't expect Nathaniel Hackett to give some sort of declaration saying, yes, Javante's our guy and we signed Melvin Gordon because he's good for a locker room morale or just in case something happens to Javante Williams. But 
you can't think of it as, all right, Javante is going to take this big step forward, clearly more talented than Melvin Gordon. The Broncos will see it. You can't make that assumption anymore. And then you look at the track record of who Nathaniel Hackett used. He's used multiple running backs pretty much each of the four years that he's been a play caller, except one. And that's when he had Leonard Fournette as a rookie running back in Jacksonville. And there was really no one else in Jacksonville that they really liked. But by the second year of Fournette's career, he was broken down. They were using multiple running backs. Maybe that's something that Hackett learned from. And then you see what happened in Green Bay last year. That's something that might have just emboldened Hackett even more to use multiple running backs. So using this news and applying it to the best ball conversation that I just had, I don't think people are overdrafting Javante Williams as a top 15 or maybe not even a top 20 guy anymore in those best ball leagues. His value has fallen, but I think it's an appropriate fall. Melvin Gordon's value, has it ticked up? Is he worth taking in a best ball in round eight or round nine? I say absolutely, because if he's going to get work each week, it could look like 10 touches per week. It's not great, but in a best ball, he'll have four or five weeks where he comes through for you. So... NFC ADP has Javante Williams as the 10th overall pick, the sixth running back off the board. Is that since May 1st? Since May 1st. Again, in those four four drafts. I completely disagree with that. Yeah. So where would you take him? Totally. Where would you take him? Total read. Where would you take him, Dave? It's going to be late round two, early round three for me. That's where he went in the draft that we did last Tuesday. He was the third pick of round three just after Nick Chubb, just before Aaron Jones. So, would you, Jamie, Jamie, would you rather have James Conner or Javante Williams? James Conner. Would you rather have Ken Walker or Melvin Gordon? That's a good one. Probably Ken Walker right now, but I could see myself changing that, especially if Carson's healthy. All right, next note. ESPN's Mike Rothstein thinks that the Falcons could use Cordaro Patterson more at wide receiver than running back this season. And he also thinks that Tyler Algier, the rookie running back out of BYU, could be the early downs back. It's a fifth-round pick not you don't ton see a ton of good rookies in the fifth round, but he's got the opportunity. Uh, in 2021, in case you're curious, Patterson played 294 snaps out of the backfield and 162 out of either the slot or out wide. So a lot more at running back. 294 snaps out of the backfield, 162 out wide or in the slot. So what do you? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know what? I, I don't need you to react to that. I guess, but. No, it's a rookie running back show. Jamie, Tyler Algier, what do you think? Um, should he be drafted ahead of Cordaro Patterson? Uh, not yet, but we may get closer to that, especially if this you know starts to play itself out in training camp. Um, you know, I mean, look I think when you look at Patterson, uh, look at this. Look who's here. There he <laughs> is. Hey, our special guest is here, interrupting our Cordaro Patterson conversation. What's up, Gretch? He is, he is a jack of all trades, so he should fit right in. That's right. Project. Ben Gretch is here. Oh. Nobody even knew it was Ben Gretch, and there he is, just <laughs> just throwing. A, I, Did you do the same thing as last time, I, where you, you yep. tried to like make it a big secret? Oh uh, yeah, big secret, huge secret. But um, I mean, look at Jamie's face; he's shocked. <laughs> 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 Welcome. How ben. you guys doing? We're good. What's up, Ben? I, I know you're you're a little late. Yeah, it wasn't your fault. Uh, you drinking coffee there? I'm drinking coffee. I'm I'm waking up out here, uh, Pacific time zone. Uh, got slept in a little bit. Miss miss my start time here with you guys. <laughs> I'm you know I'm off on my own now. I, I don't have to. I'm not you know corporate anymore. I don't have to stay up. Uh, I don't have to get up as early to to meet you guys. Yeah, that's all right. Better late than never. We appreciate it. I have segments just for you, so this show will be a lot a lot more full. Uh, all right, you know what? Enough of Jamie. 
so Ben, are you going to draft Falcons rookie running back Tyler Algier or veteran running receiver Cordell Patterson for first? Which Falcon would you rather have? That's a good question. I mean, usually with me, it's always the rookie, right? But um, Patterson got those high value touches that I love last year, right? Got the downfield passing uh, a little bit more than yeah, you know, more than any, you see from any receiver. The fact that he's actually running routes and catching passes down the field. So uh, a really unique profile there that I have to respect. I mean, probably still going to be interested in the rookie, but Patterson's the one from a you know touch value perspective that that I like more. Okay, let's go to our next news item here. Pete Carroll says that Ken Walker has a ways to go as a pass blocker, and that it will be a wait and see to see as whether see whether or not uh, Walker becomes the third down back. Dave, I interpret that as he's probably not going to be the third down back, at least as of now. Ken Walker, you agree? Oh no, again? Just, just me, Dave? Dave, oh. you there? What happened here? I'm here. I'm here. Did you hear my what question? What do you think happened? I, oh, man. Not at all. Okay. All right. Can you hear me now? Who are you? <laughs> I'm gonna boot Dave and we're gonna we're gonna um see if we can get that back. Uh Jamie. As you can see, Ben, nothing's changed. You think uh <laughs> you think Ken would you interpret that as Ken Walker is probably not going to be the third down back? Uh yeah. I mean, you know, it's going to have to take him proving, which I think he can, that he can you know, catch the ball in the backfield. But clearly, you know, when you're pass blocking for the great Drew Locke or Geno Smith, you know, you have to protect that franchise entity. So um, it's important. But clearly that's a huge part of what you have to do as, as, as a player at that position. But he could still be the first and second down guy, and, and that's going to be important in this offense that's going to try and run the ball as much as they can. Um, as we've said, as we said, even the show. You know, if, if Rashad Penny and Chris Carson are healthy, it's going to be a very messy situation. If Carson doesn't make the team because he's not ready to go and Penny does what he typically does, Ken Walker's going to be in a great spot. And the Browns, as Jamie alluded to earlier, are unlikely to re-sign Jarvis Landry, according to the Cleveland Plain Dealer. And before we so take- You don't ask the Seattle guy about Ken Walker? Oh, yeah. How do you feel about that? Not great. Not great for the Seahawks. <laughs> no, I, I like Walker a lot, but... Um... I think the Seahawks definitely needed to take a shot at a QB in this draft, and they decided not to do that. So it's going to be a fun year. I, I have a tough time with Walker and not how bad I expect the offense to be, obviously. Yeah. What what will change for you with the entire offense if it's Baker? I mean, I, I think he gives you a more competent level of play. So for 2022, for fantasy, that's fine. For, you know, the Seahawks, Seahawks I think it's kind of a, you know, a problem of a stopgap decision. But – um, for fantasy, definitely, uh, I, I still think they're going to run. They, they would be bringing in Baker to to be using him as a play action quarterback, like he's done so well. So, I mean, I, I'd probably be interested in Walker at that point for the reasons you said. I mean, Carson and Penny might not be healthy, and then if you have a competent quarterback and you can actually move the ball and score points, then Walker can get some touchdowns, and it could be it could be all right. But not really in love with his situation right now. Yeah. We don't ask Ben about. The Seahawks. We asked Ben about AJ Brown. As Richard says, interested <laughs> to hear Ben's take on AJ Brown. So let's get Ben's take on AJ Brown, the Eagle. What do you think? I mean, does it? Do you actually need my take on AJ Brown? I, obviously, I'm making whatever excuse I can to be <laughs> super excited about this, and that includes 
Um, finding out that the AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts are best buds, they go to Disneyland together. AJ Brown's the godfather of, or excuse me, Jalen Hurts is the godfather of AJ Brown's daughter. And then just deciding that that is uh, all the reason I need to draft <laughs> fantasy relevance. Yeah. Yes. That's, I mean, I, you guys know that I love AJ Brown, so I didn't need much more than that. Well, is he better for fantasy on the Eagles or the Titans? Is this better or worse for his fantasy value or the same? I mean, I don't know that better or worse really matters that much. I think, I don't think it's worse is, is sort of the way that I'll put it. Um, I think the Eagles have a possibility of, of throwing more. I compared it to the Diggs trade right after it happened, and I was thinking I wasn't happy about Diggs in Minnesota, and I thought, you know, oh, great, Buffalo's another bad spot. Buffalo winds up being really pass-heavy. The Eagles are actually coming out. They're investing in the pass catchers now, right? They've taken Devonta Smith and traded for A.J. Brown with a big package two off-seasons in a row. It's very similar to what the Bills did to surround Josh Allen. It would not surprise me if Philly went pass-heavy. They were somewhat pass-heavy early last year. Then they had a stretch where they were extremely run-heavy for like six or eight games in a row. Um, and kind of throughout the rest of the year. But for like six or eight games, it was extreme. Like when you look at the pass rate over expectations that there are more than 10 percentage points below expectation for a long stretch every single week. You never see anything like that. Very, very extreme on a weekly basis. I, I think they have to pass more. And there, there's this possibility that I actually think they might go towards Buffalo, like, like extreme passing with the way they've invested in uh, the receiving core. Uh, I, they're still going to have, you know, plenty of running as well and hurts is still going to scramble, but I think it can be better than Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee ever could have gotten that great for AJ Brown. So mm. similar, but with maybe more upside actually. Okay. All right. Let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the rookies with Ben Gretsch. If we have time, we'll read your emails, fantasy football at cbsi.com. Uh, we'll be right back on fantasy football today. Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. We are back, and we are hoping to get Dave back. He's working his he's working his way back to us, babe. All right, Ben, how you been, man? How's life? Good, good, man. Just kind of little. It's allergy season for me up here, so a little bit allergenic. I mentioned uh, my daughter just got a normal little cold, so I I woke up, fell back asleep. I feel bad. I missed my start time. I did that a couple times with you guys <laughs> when when you had these like six thirty start times. For my time, and you guys are obviously out on the East Coast, but um, I think they were five thirty for you. I think we started at eight thirty. That's right. We yeah, did do five thirty yeah. for a while. This right. was easy though. You, this was a seven o'clock start time. I know it should have been. It should have been easy. <laughs> uh, feel it. But yeah. no, doing good. How are you guys? How's how's life out there? Oh yeah, it's fine. You know, everything's yeah. great. Yeah, everything's normal, right? We miss you. We do. Yeah, we do I miss, miss you guys too. 
uh, so let's see. We have some questions from the crowd. And he one here's let's do this one real quick. Who starts, Gino or Drew? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and where was one? I think Gino starts. There was a one. What about you and Sky Moore? Do you have an interesting take or a different take on Sky Moore? Um, did you guys have a negative take on Sky Moore? Because I have I an effusively he... positive take on Sky Moore. Oh yeah, no, I I said that he's the most likely to be overdrafted. I think. People are just yeah, that's fair. He's gotten very, very popular, but um, has a really good pr- production profile. First small school, non-early declare wide receiver to go in the first or second round since Devontae Adams. So we usually see those guys not, uh, excuse me, early declare. We usually see those guys not declare early and stay the four years. And that's actually been something that's shown to be pretty predictive in models that when these guys are declaring early, Usually it's because they're getting an indication from NFL teams that like they're going to go high in the draft. It doesn't happen for small school guys often, and then they get drafted really high. It did for Sky Moore. So the league seemed to like him. The Chiefs end up getting him, which is just the perfect landing spot. They need wide receivers, and obviously you have Patrick Mahomes. I'm I'm going to be very excited about Sky Moore. He's a guy that I want. I mean, I, I'm probably going to take him in close to every single dynasty league just because you can get him later in the first round in these rookie drafts, and I think he's like right there with these top guys. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Dynasty, I would not say he'll be overdrafted necessarily. But I wonder in redraft, do you think, w- would you take him over, say, Chris Olave? Or, or, or tell me what, I, you know, I was going to ask you to rank yes. your top five running backs and wide receivers. You want to start with that? Can you rank your sure. top, top five? Let's start with wide receivers since we're on it. Give me your top five. So I'm, redraft. Yeah, for redraft. Yeah, redraft. I've been in Dynasty mode, but uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll still take Traylon over. London and for me, it's it's Traylon and London are one and two uh, in one one way, and it's like its own tier. And especially for redraft, I think they both come into these great target uh, situations. I'll still take Burks over London. I will go with Garrett Wilson three. I still really like his profile and like the landing spot. Jamison Williams is a little tougher with the injury for redraft. I'll take Sky four. Okay. And Jamison, I think five, or else Christian Watson. I, I'm not in love with Olave. Olave might be five. He'd be in that okay. range. Okay. So Burks, London, Garrett Wilson, Sky Moore, and then someone else at five, whether it's Jamison Williams or Olave or Christian Watson. Uh, yes. Jamie, uh, any any strong reaction there, or you want to move on to running backs? Well, I agree with the top two. I I, I have London slightly ahead of Burks, but uh, I agree with Ben. You know, they're in a tier by themselves, and by the time we get to you know training camp. You know, probably Robert Woods is going to be the one that sways it for me, you know, because he's the most competent receiver. Obviously, Pitts, you know, clearly a different player. Um, But uh, I think London may get slight better targets in his offense than Burks does in his. If Woods is right, if Woods is not right, then I'll I'll probably shift to to Burks. Um, I would put a lobby third uh, just based on his opportunity, especially now with Michael Thomas's injury is still lingering. Uh, fourth for me would be Sky Moore, and then fifth would be probably Christian Watson over over Jamison, just because I'm not sure where his health is at. Yeah. All right, Ben. How about your top five rookie running backs? Brees Hall is a pretty easy one. Wilson would be five for me. I apologize. Wilson. Okay. Who would be five? Garrett Wilson. I left him out. Oh. Right. Brees Hall, number one for sure. I also take Kenneth Walker two. Um, for redraft, definitely taking James Cook three and Rashad White four. 
but I really like Rashad White. He's going to be a handcuff that I'm going to have in redraft, whether or not I'm taking Fournette, just somebody to target, because if anything were to happen to Fournette, White's got that size-speed combo. We've already seen Vaughn kind of not do it, uh, and White's got the pass-catching with that size-speed combo. He's got that three-down profile that, I mean, he's he's the rookie running back that I really love in sort of the early second round of rookie drafts and in the double-digit rounds of redraft this year. And then my fifth guy... Probably Algier. I guess I, I'm i looking a little bit too dynasty focused because I'm not even putting Damian Pierce on this list, and he's probably the one that has the most um, early down high snap potential, even including Brees potentially. I mean, that's how bad the Texans are, but um, I just don't think he's particularly good. But I guess he probably has to be in there somewhere if you're just doing it purely as redraft. But um, you got to have Brees and Kenneth in there. I think James Cook belongs in the top five. And like I said, I think White's a really nice handcuff, even though he's not going to project to be a player that plays a whole lot. So they would all be in my top five as well. And then it's Algier or Damian uh, Pierce, both of whom are going to have early opportunity. Okay. Jamie, any reaction? Again, it was Brees Hall, Ken Walker, James Cook, Rashad White, and Tyler Algier. And Rashad White, purely a handcuff. But, man, I mean, you could see the potential if Leonard Fournette gets injured, which he often does. Um, you know, he wouldn't, would not necessarily have to beat out tough competition to have a major role there. And then Algier five, also Damian Pierce in the mix there. Any strong reaction, Jamie? No, I, I, I mean, the first two are obvious, you know, I think we're, we're, I'd be surprised if anybody says anything different than, than Hall and Walker and probably Hall is a significant lead over Walker right now, unless again, the, the Seahawks backfield changes by the time we get to August, I would actually put Pierce third, you know, just for redraft purposes, um, because of everything Ben said, you know, his path to opportunity, his path to playing time is, is pretty clear. I'll put Algier fourth and then James Cook fifth. But, you know, James Cook is just so fascinating because his his offense is awesome. His role could be awesome. We just haven't seen it necessarily, particularly with the Bills and, you know, using a pass catching running back. But, I mean, they've tipped their hand as much as anybody, you know, with the J.D. McKissick signing and then losing him and then even Duke Johnson, you know, what, what he typically has profiled as, you know, in the early part of his career as a pass catching back and now going out and getting James Cook, trading up to get James Cook, you know, so they want to have something in that, in that someone in that role. And, and he's clearly that guy. So, I mean, Rashad Wright's right there. Um, you know, I, I think uh, uh, TDP, Tyrion Davis-Price is interesting, you know, because of San Francisco and not having the same leading rusher year after year after year, you know, and now they go and get another guy in the third round. Um, he's interesting as well. But I, for me, you know, Pierce is the third one just based on his, his, his chance to play. And I disagree. He is a good running back. <laughs> um, would you draft, Ben, DeAndre Hopkins or your favorite rookie wide receiver? In this case, it would be Traylon Burks. Uh, probably the rookie. I mean, especially Hopkins. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm still waking up. But Hopkins has six suspension, games. right? Yeah, six-game suspension, yeah. Uh, then definitely the rookie. But, I mean, multiple rookies. Okay. Well, the, the only reason not to take a rookie that high is that they take a little bit of time to that, build up. But exactly. If my alternative isn't playing, then I might as well hope that he hits week one like Jamar Chase did. You know? Sure. It, it feels like with the top two guys in terms of Burks and, and London, like they're going to force feed them the chance to be good. You know? Yeah. So you bank on that. The other guys you can you can certainly make an argument for. You know, Wilson sharing the field with you know Elijah Moore and Corey Davis and trusting Zach Wilson and. Olave, if Michael Thomas is healthy and, you know, Jameson Williams not being ready, you know, there's a lot of flaws with once you start getting past the other two guys. So by week seven, you know, Hopkins could step in and be better than them easily. But the other two, you know, if, if things break right, 
you know, the, the target share for London and the target share for Burks could just be amazing. Ben, are there any under the radar guys you like? You made a nice case for Rashad White, but what uh, any under the radar guys? I guess most under the radar guy that I love is Romeo Dubs uh, for, with the Packers because I think Christian Watson, kind of a questionable profile. Was it old? I was talking about early. Declare you want to be younger entering the NFL. He was older from a smaller school. wasn't really productive till he was older at the smaller school. They go get Dubs, who is also I think a little bit older, but very productive from younger ages. We see that like age adjusted production. I always love to talk about where um producing college at a young age and through his later ages multiple breakout seasons um looks like the type of player that could come in and immediately be essentially more productive and outshine the earlier drafted wide receiver for the Packers we know it's a huge need but he's the obviously it's a cheap cheap bet on that but he's the guy that I think could surprise the most okay Romeo Dubs I know Dave likes him as well do you think the rookie quarterbacks or tight ends matter for fantasy this season? I mean, certainly the rookie quarterbacks could. They all have r- rushing um, profiles. The landing, the the draft capital was incredibly surprising, right? But the landing spots for everyone other than Malik Willis are, are really great for this year. Malik Willis, it might not be until 2023, but Ritter can definitely play in Atlanta. Howell can definitely play in Washington. Corral can definitely play in Carolina. These guys are backing up. You know, Carson Wentz, Sam Darnold, and, and Marcus Mariota. These are those are not quarterbacks that are necessarily going to keep them off the field. These are not teams that are expected to be in the playoff hunt necessarily. So, especially down the stretch, if these teams are out of it, they want to see what they have in these three quarterbacks. All of them offer some mobility. I, I mean, I definitely think they. I, I'm probably not drafting them in redraft, but I definitely think they can come into the mix. Tight ends a little bit trickier, but I do really like Trey McBride. It's just tough behind Ertz and. Really, none of the other tight rookie tight ends, what I say, matter for redraft. No, I, I don't think so right now. The one, the one I think just to keep an eye on, and it's going to take probably an injury, is Dolchich because you know he could. I don't think beat out Alberto, but you know you are talking about a guy that, you know, a lot of potential uh, has to prove it. And you know the, the the Broncos are very high on him. You know, players to coaches, but um, Dolchich, you know, for me was right there with McBride and. and Landing spot wasn't the most ideal, but you know he could clearly have a, have a role if if Alberto struggles. Okay, we have another special guest joining us. It's Dave Richard, and yeah. he's at a different. Hooray! I finally found a place where I can connect and hopefully not disconnect. Yeah, hopefully. All right. Well, welcome back, Dave. We're gonna do some debates now involving rookies. We're gonna let I want to let Ben go last here. Let him kind of. See how this how the because they hear us so so little that that they need to right. Well, I don't want to put him on the spot here. I want him. Maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he doesn't feel good. And that if Dave and Jamie agree, he'll just jump attention to the NFL in the last two months. Maybe that's what's going. on. Yeah, I think that that's what I was. You're worried about putting him on the spot. Yeah, maybe you should walk around the office while 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 you're doing the (laughs) show, and Ben can see all the changes. Okay, it looks the same right now. It's connected. Yeah, yeah, no, we're we're got you. Like even if I move, I'm gonna disconnect i want to stay on <laughs> well you sound great it's absolutely perfect okay debates Brees hall or ezekiel elliott Brees hall or ezekiel elliott dave oh disconnected. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me <laughs> uh, you gotta be kidding me well it's good to see your face dude all right um jb Brees hall or ezekiel elliott 
Uh, I'll take my chances with Brees Hall. You know, I, I think you look at Zeke and what we saw last year was uh, a struggle. I don't know how much of it obviously was the knee, but, you know, you couldn't watch the Cowboys and see Tony Pollard touch the ball and Ezekiel Elliott touch the ball and under, not understand what the Cowboys were doing and not giving Pollard more chances. And so while Hall, I think, will share with Michael Carter to whatever extent it's going to be, I think he will prove to be the better talent, and I will take my chances with the younger player at this point. I feel like Ezekiel Elliott is an injury away from being Todd Gurley, and we don't hear from him again. Yikes. Ben, what do you think, uh, Zeke or Brees? Pretty much completely agree. Brees Hall's a really good prospect. My note on Zeke about uh, would be sort of an, a word of caution for people assuming that last year's split with Pollard might be the same. I've heard a lot of like, well, we know they're going to play him. They had him on the hook for a $30 million cap hit f- for this year. They kind of had to play him last year. One of the things I've suggested in, in a lot of the stuff that I've talked about with this is if if they kept him playing and he was ever bounced back and was decent at any point, maybe they could have tried to move that cap at this offseason. It would have been incredibly hard, but maybe they could have tried to send it with a pick and and get that off the books this offseason. Next offseason is like a clear cut for Ezekiel Elliott. There's almost no chance they will keep him. They finally get a cuttable year in the contract, and his cap hits just way too much for what they've gotten out of him over the last few years. So this is a year where I think actually we could see a changing of the guard. If he's not good halfway through – the Cowboys are basically going to be like, look, it's a sunk cost at this point. We need to go with Pollard. We need to try to win games. I think I think last year's, you know, Zeke keeps getting all that work is not likely to carry over to this year. And he's the, you know, the possibility in the middle of this season of no longer being the starting running back. I'm not even getting touches on top of the fact that he just hasn't been very healthy or very good the last few years. I think the one saving grace for him last year, which will probably be the same thing this year, he was fantastic as a pass blocker. And, you know, proved to do a nice job in the passing game as well. You know, when they went through the stretch of losing Michael Gallup, and I think Cooper was a little bit banged up as well, um, he stepped up and did a nice job. There was a couple of games where he had, you know, five-plus catches in there. And so that saved him a little bit. So maybe we see more of, okay, third down back, maybe Pollard a little bit more in first and second down. So the role is changing for both of them. Um, if he if he struggles in, in pass protection, he may not be on the field. Mm-hmm. All right, next up we have Ken Walker versus... Essentially a rookie, Travis Etienne. Walker or Etienne, Jamie? I'll take Etienne, you know, just based on James Robinson not being 100% right now. Now, once we find out Chris Carson's status and James Robinson's status, I'll probably have a different answer on this, um, potentially. But, you know, I think if Etienne was in this, you know, for drafting, you know, NFL teams are drafting and and, uh, and certainly fantasy managers are drafting, I would take Etienne over Walker in both cases. You know, I just think, you know, the, the, the profile for him as a pass catcher, you know, what he should be able to still do as a rusher, um, he's a more dynamic player in my opinion. So, um, I know the situation might seem a little dicey with Jacksonville, but you know, the offensive line should be better. The coaching should be better. Hopefully Trevor Lawrence is better. I feel a little bit better about Travis Etienne's status right now. If Robinson's not ready to go week one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, especially on the concern of Robinson is way, way further behind in his, in his rehab. Etienne obviously gets hurt in the offseason. Etienne, great prospect went one pick behind Najee Harris in the real draft last year. I think he's better than Najee Harris. I don't think you'd be getting him where you're getting him in drafts if he plays basically any snaps last year if we see him on the field at all you get this immediate bump in value you get the javante williams has has bumped just because he he flashed a little bit right um naji's a not as apples to apples comparison because he got all the work but javante i think is a better example of where you're getting a discount on etn right now based on the type of player he is i still think kenneth walker's really good um 
but you have a, a much, you know, you have bad offenses on both sides, but you have a, a worse profile in terms of not necessarily having the pass catching and all that. ETN playing with Trevor Lawrence catching pass is going to be um, pretty nice little setup there with this college quarterback. So I, I like ETN by quite a ways. Drake London or Darnell Mooney. Drake London or Darnell Mooney, Jamie. I'll take Mooney, you know, just looking at what he's done already um, and his opportunity. I mean, you know, we, we talk about both these guys having great opportunity, but London still has to contend with Kyle Pitts, who's a monster. And, you know, I you look at at this Bears offense, I mean, if Mooney, Mooney could lead the NFL in targets, it wouldn't be that, that much of a stretch. You know, I mean, it would take the Bears having to change some of their philosophy, but, you know, who knows what Luke Getzey wants to do with that team, uh, that offense at least. And so... Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm excited about Darnell Mooney this year. I, I think he's got a big opportunity in front of him, and I hope he takes advantage of it. Gretchy? I'm, I'm taking London on this one. Um, I like Mooney, but that's a really rough offense, right? And I think it's going to be a problem for their ability to score points. I think Mooney's going to get all the work he can get, and he's been very good the last couple of years. And I believe in Justin Fields, but the Bears have not done any favors to try to help Justin Fields improve in year two. The way that I would put it is that he Fields has to improve a ton just to not look terrible, basically, to be able to carry. He, like, he has to be ready to carry the offense this year. He wasn't last year, and I, I think it's, it's really tough to ask him to be ready to do that. That, again, would take a ton of improvement. He's going to have to be that type of quarterback that can just put everyone on his back. If not, this is going to be a really bad offense, which is fine for Mooney's targets and everything, but – I, I mean, I feel better, even frankly, about Atlanta's offense, the situation London's going into. Um, I, and I think London, I mean, you just ha- has the higher ceiling. You want the rookie kind of uncertainty, has the potential to come out and just be an absolute smash. We haven't seen him at the NFL level yet, but there is that that possibility. Mooney kind of doesn't really profile to me as a guy who has, you know, the absolute boom ceiling. But he's interesting for sure. Okay, last one. Christian Watson. Or Alan Lazard. And I'll let Ben go first this time. Give me a Packers receiver, Christian Watson, or Alan Lazard. I mean, I just I go with the the rookie on these every time. I mean, again, Alan Lazard, not the huge ceiling. Not even that the ceiling that Darnell Mooney has, obvious. I mean, pretty clearly, I think, for anyone who's paying attention. And then you have Christian Watson coming in. I talked about his profile not being very exciting, but he has the size, he has the speed, he has the athleticism. You become Aaron Rodgers' preferred go-to target in the red zone pretty early in your career. Your your ceiling is big. And um, I'm taking him on ceiling all day. I'll go back to, you know, you asked the earlier question. Uh, I think it was Kenny Galladay or Jameson Williams, right? Yeah. I think it just comes down to what your team needs at that point. You know, so if you're not planning on playing Alan Lazard, which I hope a lot of people don't draft planning to play Alan Lazard, then you take Christian Watson. You know, but if you go RB heavy or, you know, you, you, don't, uh, you don't prioritize receiver, and you need someone to get you through the first few weeks of the season, Alan Lazard's going to be a much better fantasy option than, than Christian Watson is because it could take a while for Watson. And we know Rodgers and rookie receivers don't necessarily vibe right away. Um, when they hit, they hit big, but it's usually year two. And so, you know, with Romeo Dubs and, and Watson and how this all works with Sammy Watkins and, uh, and, and Randall Cobb, the corpse of Randall Cobb, you know, Lazard may be the most reliable guy there for Rodgers, and, and that might be something that you have to just hang your hat on. And so while he doesn't necessarily have the ceiling that Watson has by far, um, the floor might be a little bit safer. So if you just need to get that competent third fantasy receiver that's going to, you know, hopefully just supplement what should be a great roster, then that's the route you go. But if you want to take a chance on who has the most upside, especially as a bench receiver, I'm taking, you know, Watson by far. And for those of you who missed it earlier when Dave, when Dave tried to come back on, 
It's pretty funny. And here are some of the comments. Looks like Dave is broadcasting from the basement of an art gallery. <laughs> Dave filming from a calculator. Dave filming from a Nintendo DS. So that gives you a little bit of an idea. The calculator one is, is uh, really got me. Ben, thank you for coming on, my man. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, uh, I was going to tell Dave, I saw a note from him the other day uh, come across my Twitter timeline or a little video that he was calling for Fitzpatrick to Seattle. He has asked me what quarterback I want. I mean, at least that would be fun. That's who I want in Seattle. I want Fitzpatrick starting. Yeah, I forgot about him a little bit there. It would be nice. You know, he's, That was the first I'd even fantasy. heard of that or thought of that, but I'm usually rooting for Fitzpatrick to every situation every <laughs> offseason. So when I, when I saw it from Dave, I was like, perfect. Love that. How awesome was the, uh, the draft video of all the guys wearing the Fitzpatrick jerseys? That was amazing. Yeah. I was like, I, you know that he's played so many places, but I was still shocked. I was right. like, man, he's really played on all those teams. It's a lot of Fitzpatrick jerseys. Adam, can you name all the teams Ryan Fitzpatrick has played on? I mean, definitely not. But I'll say Washington. Is that – did I get it? He did play a game for them, yes. Yeah, Washington, Miami, Tampa. Um. Oh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm not even going to. I don't even want to embarrass myself. But who paid him? Who paid him? Chicago? Oh, this is pathetic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I don't remember. Who Buffalo. was it? Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, I should have gotten that one. The Jets. All right, before this goes, oh, the Jets. Before this goes Houston, on, Tennessee. Tennessee. Ten, Rams, Tennessee. Bengals. Yeah. Rams. I don't remember him on the Rams. That was like early career. All right, Tennessee for sure. Okay. Well, anyway, thank you for that. That's worse than one of my. That's worse than one of my outros. Uh, for Ben Gretsch and a little bit of Dave. You know what? Combined, Dave and Ben, we're here for a full episode. For Dave and Ben and Jamie, I'm Adam. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.